From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Colonel Vern Jewett, and welcome to the Holiness Podcast. Our son, Booth, was about five years old when one day he asked his mom, What does it mean to be in the depths of despair? Well, that's quite a question from a five-year-old, right? As it turned out, Booth's two older sisters had been reading Anne of Green Gables to him. Anne if you know anything about the story, hated her red hair. She was sometimes made fun of by the other kids. So apparently, in the story, she dyed her hair, but it turned out green. And the story said, Anne was in the depths of despair. Well, what about you? Have you ever been in the depths of despair? It's a Serious question. The message this morning is going to address how we as Christians face trouble, which is inevitable in our lives. You all uh, will recall John, the writer of the gospel, when he said, uh, quoting Jesus, in this world you will have trouble. But of course, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We all understand that life will bring with it trouble, maybe even depths of despair. In the New Testament, we come across the journal of a faithful pastor. Well, it's the Apostle Paul. (laughs) And it's amazing at how honestly he described his difficulties in ministry. I certainly related with his struggles As I read his words, I underlined some significant phrases. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, all our troubles he speaks of, great distress, anguish of heart, many tears, grieved, distressed, no peace of mind. He spoke of the hardships we suffer, great pressure beyond endurance, not equal to the task, hard-pressed on every side. You're familiar with uh, Paul's litany sometimes of the challenges and the trouble he encountered. Well, you may ask, why talk about trouble at church? One of my modern-day heroes is John Perkins, and I think I've mentioned before He says that the first purpose of the church is to absorb pain. Life is hard, and we believe that Jesus is the answer. And the church is there to absorb pain. And friends, there's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of heartache in in our communities, and life brings pain and heartache and trouble. I've been a pastor a long time, as I mention often. And I'm always aware that there are deep, unspoken hurts whenever we gather together. 
some too deep even to try to verbalize. So I believe this message is for all of us. This message is undoubtedly, though, especially for some of us at this very moment. These words came from the Apostle Paul in his journal in 2 Corinthians, and our text is taken from the fourth chapter, verses 16, 17, and 18. I'm going to read them in just a minute. I have been through the first four chapters and took a red pencil and underlined some of the words of despair that I shared with you earlier that came from Paul's pen. Yet when you finish reading 2 Corinthians, you come away with the impression that Paul was anything but discouraged. It is a book about victory and optimism and actually success in which Paul articulates various secrets for staying happy and effective. This message is meant to encourage us. So I think we can take great comfort in the fact that if we're feeling emotionally waterlogged or adrift or even sinking, this text is for us this morning. I want to read it to you first from the New International Version, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, he certainly addresses this matter of encountering challenges and trouble in our lives. There's a wonderful and good place for the modern paraphrases of the Bible. You know what I'm speaking about. They're not uh, Bibles that you would use to do critical Bible study, looking at words and meanings. But paraphrases like Eugene Peterson's wonderful uh, message are very, very helpful because they portray in modern language and in the idioms of our day the truths that come out of Scripture. And they have been checked and tested and you can be certain as you read the message that there is nothing doctrinally unsound. There's nothing that is mistranslated. But the language, it's almost like you and I would speak today. And I find it a great help to read this passage in the message. So listen to it. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside... It looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Those hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. 
the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. I love that. And as I was pondering this passage and the whole idea of how Christians face life's troubles, I was sitting in a service, uh, a church service, and we sang a chorus that had a profound effect upon me. In fact, I'm going to make it the title of this podcast. We sang the chorus, maybe you have sung. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Beautiful chorus. Beautiful tune written by uh, John Thompson and Randy Scruggs. But as I reflected on the whole idea of sanctuary, sanctuary, you know, is a place consecrated, dedicated, set aside for what is holy. And sanctuary carries with it also the sense of a place of refuge. We're going to unpack and explore both of those ideas as we talk about being a sanctuary for him. Because I believe in that beautiful word picture, being a place set apart, you know, the the root meaning of holy is to be set apart. A place that's set apart as a residence for him is a very prominent and beautiful theme in the New Testament. I don't know that the word sanctuary is used. I should have checked, but I didn't. Uh, In the New Testament, it doesn't come to mind. But many places where the description of God working in us and conforming us to his will by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit paints the picture of our lives as a sanctuary for him. Now, our text presents us with what I want to call four dimensions of Christian life. And I think it it will be helpful to us as we ponder these topics, the idea of life bringing us its stream of troubles. We're always going to uh, have to handle the challenges and troubles that life brings us as Christians, and the reality that our spiritual power and strength comes from the indwelling presence of God, and that we have the privilege to be a sanctuary for Him. I believe we can be encouraged and informed and grow in our understanding of what a holy life is. And the first dimension is what we'll call the onward dimension. The indwelling God gives deep assurance and uh, encouragement to us to keep going and be faithful. The very first phrase in uh, 
our text 4.16 is, therefore, we do not lose heart. There is a sense of life that is ongoing. And we're either on board or we're not. And Paul wants us to be sure that we are on board. It's a terrible thing to feel so alone that you want to give up. We live in a society where one of the great tragedies of our times is the growing suicide rate. Shocking and and, uh, just tragic among teenagers and also among former servicemen, veterans of the United States Armed Services. It's a terrible thing to feel that you have no hope and are tempted to give up. Paul says we don't lose heart. We don't give up. He may lose sleep and friends and fame and prestige and wealth and comfort. If you know his story well, skin off his back and years off his life. But Paul was determined to sustain his enthusiasm for living. I love the word enthusiasm. It's made up at its root of two Greek words, en theos, which means in God. So don't ever apologize for being enthusiastic because the meaning of it is that you are joyful and positive looking forward in God. As long as Paul had the promises of God in his hand and the Spirit of God in his heart, and we have the same, he was going to press on. The word for losing heart means to lose motivation, to become weary and discouraged, to give up. And that's the attitude we can't let seep into our lives and our souls. Of course, the key for Paul was that he always reminded himself that he was not alone. God was with him. We will be overcome by life's troubles if we try to do it ourselves and don't trust God. We just celebrated last Sunday, Mother's Day. This is May. And sometimes for children, even big children in the home, mom fills the role like God does in our lives. We're dependent, especially children, on mom. And her love and sacrifice every day has uh, brought about this wonderful day when we remember the gift of moms. I heard this story I want to share with you. Mrs. Plitt knocked on her neighbor's door. Jean, who was six years old, appeared. Well, Mrs. Plitt asked him, Hello, Jean, are you all alone here? Yes, he said sadly. Mommy's in the hospital, and me and Daddy and my two sisters and two brothers are here all alone. (laughs) You see, if Mom is there, everything's okay, and if Mom is not there, there can be this sense of loneliness, but indwelt by God's Spirit, we who know Christ as Savior are never alone. 
John the Baptist, who never saw the resurrected Jesus, said, He must increase and I must decrease. You see, our assets, because we are a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit, go beyond ourselves. They include God's promises. They include the indwelling presence of the Spirit. And they include the strength of the church, the Christian community, the body of Christ. Many times we need each other to keep on going. But this dimension of ongoing and keeping in the battle and not losing heart is a wonderful picture of what holiness can bring to our lives. Secondly, there is the outward dimension. And at first, it doesn't sound too encouraging. This dimension to Christian living, uh, Paul says we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. In other words, physically, we aren't getting any younger. And sooner or later, no matter who we are, our bodies start deteriorating. Paul sees his physical condition at this time in his life worsening. He's getting old. Anybody here relate to that? Well, funny things happen to us as we get older. I heard a great story. Maybe you've heard it, but uh, always makes me chuckle. A senior citizen driving down the freeway heard his cell phone ring. It was his wife urgently warning him, Herman. I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on the interstate. Please be careful. You wouldn't believe it, said Herman. It's not just one car going the wrong way. It's hundreds of them. <laughs> well, funny things happen to us when we get older. Paul describes it in frank and plain spoken terms. He says our outward man is perishing, it is wasting away. In chapter 4, earlier, uh, verse 7, Paul had described his body as an earthen vessel. I've always translated that mud pot. And then the verse that comes right after our text, chapter 5, verse 1, he says that his body is a tattered tent. And by the time he gets to chapter 12, many of you will know that he's complaining about his poor health and the thorn in the flesh that he's sought relief from but has not received any relief from the Lord. But he also told the Corinthians that that same body he described in those ways is the temple of the Holy Spirit to be honored and to be guarded. That means we have to take care of ourselves physically, especially guarding against prolonged fatigue, one of our greatest enemies. I remember when our children were young, they would hit a point, especially when they were very young, when they were totally exhausted, and then, then seemed to come the tantrums, and the loss of control of themselves. They just didn't know what to do with themselves. 
I must say, that same thing happens to me. Now that I'm in senior years, I, I'm very aware that I'm outwardly perishing, weakening. It's a life reality. Everyone else can see it. I may as well admit it as well. You see, as we grow older, our body weakens, our mental faculties, our emotional vitality, and our stamina slowly deteriorate. But that outward dimension is strengthened by the presence of God the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of accepting and living in the truth of 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure, which is the excellency of the glory of God. We have that in earthen vessels. But the reality of outwardly perishing, which is that second dimension, is the inward dimension. Listen to verse 16 again. Even though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Here is the blessing of holy living. Here is the wonder of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Here is the amazing truth of being a sanctuary for God himself. There's a process of spiritual transformation at work in our lives as Christians. And at the same time that we experience the troubles of life, we are being transformed into his likeness. We are being conformed to the image of God. Richard Wentz tells the story of a church named St. George by the Vineyard in the foothills of the Allegheny Mountains. This church holds the deed to a vineyard which produces luscious grapes and exceptional wine. No one knew the secret of the vineyard until Jeremy, the old sexton, died. His family had tended the vineyard for generations, but Jeremy was the last in the line. He left a note saying, The key to everything is under the altar. Well, the parish priest went to the altar to investigate and found a stone slab which opened into the crypt, and to his surprise, he heard the gurgling of water. There were rich underground streams feeding the vineyard, hidden from the eyes of everyone on the surface. This inward dimension of life, you see, is the source of spiritual power for us. The psalmist said, all my springs are in you, in Psalm 87, 7. And the prophet Isaiah said, a vineyard of red wine, I the Lord keep it, I water it every moment, in Isaiah 27, 2 and 3. When we learn to renew ourselves daily, we're like trees planted by underground streams of water whose leaves stay green, even in times of drought. 
you know in your life and in your walk with the Lord what it is that is the key to those hidden springs. For me, it's the leisurely contemplation of Scripture, just to read and meditate and pray. And it's not a routine or a ritual. It is all about relationship. We are a residence, a holy place, a sanctuary for the presence of God the Holy Spirit. We can draw near to the fount of every blessing. Here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Paul wants us to meditate on a very precise biblical truth. It's found in verse 17, which I read to you. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light affliction, he says, which is just for a moment, that's taking an eternal perspective, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Remember, our troubles are called light and temporary in verse 17. And it is contrasted with the glory of our eternal future in Christ. What's really going on? He's comparing the appearance, even though they may appear heavy, our troubles being light and temporary, with the reality, and that is the glory of our future and destiny in Christ. As God's people, we're a lot tougher than we sometimes think, thanks to his strength in our lives. And it's encouraging for us to realize we can cope with a great deal with the strength that Christ gives. I have seen down through my years as a pastor Christians deal realistically and triumphantly with calamity, sorrow, tragedy, illness, death, losses of every sort. I've stood by them during times of almost unbelievable stress with the assurance that they would not be abandoned by Christ. And with time and patience and encouragement from Christian friends and the renewing that comes from the presence of God's Spirit, I've seen them bounce back with renewed faith and confidence. This leads us to the final dimension of a Christian's life, of a life I would call a holy life. Verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The regular word for look actually means to gaze. When we fix our eyes, we gaze on Jesus. 
the visible and the seen, speaks to the troubles of life, speaks to our human frailty and the suffering. But instead of focusing on that, we fix, we gaze our eyes on what is invisible and unseen. Wonderful truths, the immediacy of God's grace. He's just a whisper away because we are a sanctuary for him. And the sufficiency of Christ, those things that we are unable to do in our strength, he empowers us to do. He is sufficient for all our needs. I have uh, several favorite coffee cups, most of them from my travels to special places. Several years ago, uh, I'm recording this in the divisional headquarters of the Salvation Army in Tampa, Florida. And it was right here I kept a coffee cup made by an African ceramic artisan in Tanzania for almost 10 years. It's probably my record. I love that coffee cup. Even though the outside glaze was chipped from hundreds of trips through the dishwasher. Then one day, I was out in the parking lot here, and I dropped my favorite coffee cup. It broke into several pieces. And you know what I'm going to say. It's true. I took it back home, and I glued all those pieces back together. And to my delight... It didn't leak when I put coffee in it, and I kept using it until it, a few months later, totally fell apart. <clears throat> well, sometimes I would look at that Tanzanian coffee cup and be reminded that I am an earthen vessel, much like it is. In places, my skin is wrinkled, and there are scars from various times and occurrences in my life. There are some chipped places from the mistakes I've made down through the years. And there are many things in my life that don't match up perfectly with what I would desire. But the most amazing thing is that the treasure I bear is not diminished by the vessel. The vessel is made valuable by the treasure it contains. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We all face challenging days. And it's a wonderful thing to be reminded that I am a sanctuary, a holy, set-apart residence of God the Holy Spirit. As our son Booth said, there's despair, perhaps around the corner, or perhaps even in your life at this moment. What about you right now today? Are the troubles in your life overwhelming? God wants them to be light and momentary. 
God wants for us the great privilege of experiencing Him as a place of refuge. And as He lives in our hearts, that is the wonderful privilege that we have as believers. So as we bring these thoughts to a close in this passage about uh, troubles and about God's grace and about the various dimensions of a Christian life, I recommend this to you. Onwardly, keep going. Do not lose heart. Outwardly, be prudent and realize that this body is just a container. Inwardly, where we are a sanctuary set apart, a place of refuge, a place of residence for God the Holy Spirit, inwardly is where we are being renewed. And that gives us the upward-looking vision. It's a wonderful chorus we sing in the Salvation Army that kind of mirrors Paul's positive spirit, even after talking about all of the, the challenges he's faced in life and troubles he's endured. We sing the words, He is able, more than able to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what He wants me to be. Dear friends, our message today is that in the midst of life's challenges and even troubles and even the depths of despair, we have the privilege of being a sanctuary and of being renewed in our spirit by God himself through the presence of his Holy Spirit. I love that picture. It just seems so practical to me of the holy life as one that does not become overcome by trouble, but in fact, the experiences we face and the challenges we face become daily and moment by moment an opportunity for God to prove his faithfulness and to keep us safe in his hands. Be a sanctuary for him, and may God bless you. We look forward to you joining us the next time on the Holiness Podcast. And until then, may God bless you richly with his grace and his peace. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend they can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts.